We are live once again. Welcome to Watchers Talk Live. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good morrow, depending on where you are in the world watching us right now. I am your host, Leonard O'Neill. We have a really, really, really good show for you guys today. We're coming to you live on Facebook, right? Welcome, guys. Welcome, Facebook. There's a chat there. You guys get involved in the chat, talk about things, ask questions. We have a very special guest on here today. Before we get into that really quick, I want to do a shout-out. we got a shout-out going out to Portal to Ascension, Peter Chang, uh, Neil Gore, and his wife Saul over there. They got just done with this really big, humongous, crazy five-day global event, and they're not done for the year. They, are good. they have another tour coming up which our guest right here is a part of that tour. He's going to be going across the United States and going into Canada. And when they go up into Canada, our directing producer in the background, Omar, will be there to meet those guys because Omar lives up there. He's not too far away. So he's going to meet those guys in Canada, and hopefully we can hopefully we can do something uh, uh, from there and go live those maybe. Guys, I don't know what Omar we're going to do. Omar lives up there. It's not too far away. We'll figure that out, right? But you guys, uh, I don't know if you guys know, if you guys have been paying attention, I've been spamming the whole world saying, look who we got here today. We 
have Michael Tellinger here today. My God, if there was a crowd, I'm sure they would be clapping right now. I'm not even kidding, okay? I'm sorry. I'm fanboying on you too, right? Omar, Omar loves this guy. I love this guy. This guy has more credentials than all, like every guest we've had on combined, right? <laughs> Mr. Tellinger, please say hello to the crowd. How you doing today? Your, I, don't, I don't hear your microphone's not on. I can't hear you. Uh, there it is. I switched my mic off to be courteous to you guys. So thank you very much, Leonard. Thank you for that courteous introduction. Uh, I love it. Uh, thank you, Omar, for making this possible, and I look forward to our chat. All right. Um, let's get right into it. You know, you know, I got a few things. You know, the first thing I want to ask you, and, and this was, I was talking to uh, uh, Stephen and Evan Strong, and they had a, an interesting thing happen with uh, some some rocks that they had, and I had uh, 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 Stephen tell us the story. Uh, he told us the story about what happened to his rocks, and he said to me that that when you talk to to Michael, ask him about his rocks. So I don't know what's going on there, but he told me that you had an interesting thing happen with your rocks. What, what what's that about? Oh yeah. Oh uh, well, you know, it uh, first first of all, Stephen Evans Strong are good friends of mine from down under in Australia. They're doing great exploratory work and exposing the, the true ancient history of, of, of that great land. Absolutely. And uh, and uh, I, I was I've, I've met them several times down in Australia and toured with them across Australia, so got to know them quite well. And um, yeah, so the story with um, with with my stones, obviously, first of all, for people that don't know who I am and what I do, uh, I researched the ancient vanished civilizations around the world, but specifically in my in my home country, which is South Africa. And uh, I've somehow been fortunate enough to discover um, a vanished civilization that has never been identified before uh, here in South Africa, well, in Southern Africa that covers most of South Africa, most of Zimbabwe, parts of Botswana, Mozambique, and that's where it seems to be concentrated. We're talking about a vast civilization of millions of people that must have lived here over an extended period of time, probably more than 300,000 years ago. And uh, and they left behind all these stone ruins. And I started picking up tools and artifacts among these stone ruins 10 years ago when I first started researching this at the, towards the end of 2007. And um, and and my, my collection of stones and tools and artifacts has grown to the point that I now have a small museum that, that is now actually, I'm building a new museum. We're starting to build tomorrow, in fact, the new wow. Stone Circle Museum. Um, wow. And uh, I'll be I'll be launching a crowdfunding campaign to help me build this new Stone Circle Museum because it deserves to be a global attraction. So that's what I'm right. intending it to be. Nice. Um, but but to, to come back to the, the, the stone that, you know, that Stephen suggested you talk to me about is one of the curious... Um, sort of artifacts in S Southern Africa are these donut-shaped stones, these torus-shaped stones, and they they look just like a, a big stone donut. And there are thousands, probably hundreds of thousands of those stones scattered throughout Southern Africa. Wow. And uh, th that presents a big problem just from an archaeological, historical, geological perspective because, you know, our history books tell us that... Um, the, the southern part of uh, of Africa was a sparsely populated part of the world, 
until a few thousand years ago when the Bantu tribes then moved down from Western East Africa, started populating this part of the world. Prior to that, there was nobody living here, just the, the hunter-gatherers, the so-called Bushmen or the Khoisan people that are you know now deemed to be the oldest among the oldest genetic uh, or gene carriers in, uh, on, on our, in our world, should I say. And, uh, and, uh, and so the fact that we have hundreds of thousands of these stone tools lying around here that date back thousands of years from a time before metal was discovered and everything was done with other stones, we are told that these hundreds of thousands of donut-shaped stones were made by these hunter-gatherers with other stones for the reason that they needed weights on their sticks when they went foraging for food. And, and this is just the most ludicrous story that's been spun and has now become part of what we get taught at school, that these donut-shaped stones are weights for digging sticks that come from a Stone Age period. When nobody lived here, that was a sparsely populated part of the world, and yet we have hundreds of thousands of them lying scattered throughout this part of the world. So already we have a mismatch of, of information, people, population, etc. Right. And uh, <clears throat> so when when I started uh, gathering these stones, one of the things that 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 became very evident when we started testing them is that they they emit a tremendous amount of energy. And uh, and I trust that you know many of your listeners will know by now where I'm going with this. And pretty much the, the the toroidal shape, the toroidal field is the primordial shape of pretty much everything in creation, and that's exactly what these stones are. They are very powerful energy generating devices. Well, I was the one that brought this information to the world, and then I started um, sharing this and showing it in my presentations and. And, and research and so forth and and I had uh, I made contact with Nassim Haramein at the time uh, this was in two, uh, late 2012 and uh, then um, uh, Nassim invited me to come and do a presentation in Hawaii at his resonance institute and I was actually the first outsider that was invited to come and do a presentation to him and right. his research scientists there and so on, on my way there, I thought, well, what am I going to take Nassim as a present? And I thought, well, let me take him one of these Taurus stones because they'll, they'll do some research on it. And they, after all, a research lab that works with resonance and sound. And uh, so I took the best stone that I had in my museum and chucked it in my bag. And we left for the United States uh, via Doha uh, of Qatar. In the, in the Middle East via Qatar because pretty much all the airlines in the world today in any route you travel you're hijacked to go via Dubai or Qatar that's it right. <laughs> yeah, that, that's unfortunate especially when you live in the southern hemisphere in South Africa you always have to go up to Dubai and then wherever you go from there or Qatar so so we flew up to to Doha or Qatar uh, at which point we had a layover and got it got on a plane to Chicago USA and I was sitting sitting on the flight, waiting, waiting, nothing. The plane was supposed to have taken off 20 minutes already, and the doors are still open. And eventually, uh, I get called off the plane saying, uh, you know, please identify yourself. And um, I say, well, here I am. What's the problem? No, you got to follow us off the plane. There's a, there's a security threat in your bag. And I go, oh, my goodness, what's in my bag? The only thing in my bag I can think of other than my clothes and, you know, 
is is the stone. And I go, oh my god, what am I going to tell these guys? Um, right. So first of all, I, I get I get to the I get you know they march me right past everyone on the plane to the to the open door where the stair, stairs going down, and there are five guys with guns standing around my bag. <laughs> and I'm going, and that's when I realized, oh my God, it's the it's the stone in my bag. Stone, and yeah. uh, and I go. So as I'm going down, I'm going. What am I going to tell them? I can't tell them this is ancient, advanced technology. You know, right. what am I going to tell them this is? So I'm thinking, okay. Um, uh, as I'm opening my bag, you know, um, I'm thinking, oh yeah, African arts and crafts. That's that's what it is. African arts and crafts. Everyone's got one of these. I'm just taking this as a present to my friend. Because you got to give them a story, otherwise, they, you know, you end up in Guantanamo Bay, never to be seen again. <laughs> so, <laughs> and uh, and uh, so, as I open my bag, I, I I go and I pull out the stone, and it's wrapped in bubble wrap and covered with masking tape. And you know, have you ever tried to unwrap anything right. <laughs> wrapped in bubble wrap and masking tape and masking tape with, right oh five five guys uh, or, or packing tape i mean not masking with, packing tape right and guys, guys with guns with, without a knife yeah with your fingers with right. five guys with guns staring down on you um <laughs> you know so i start sweating profusely we're in we're in doha it's bloody 40 degrees celsius whatever oh. that's like probably 100 105 110 uh, degrees something like that yeah uh, yeah and 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 I'm going. Oh my God! What? How am I going to open? Somehow, by by hook or by crook, I managed to open it up, and out pops a stone. So, to their great amusement, they're looking at this thing, and and uh, and they they don't know what that is. And and I go, Oh, African arts and crafts. You know, I'm taking it to my friend in Hawaii. Okay. And there was one tall African guy, and I, if I recall, he was one of the guys that didn't have a gun. And he sort of looked down and he went, Oh, I've seen those before. Okay, cool. This is all. So. They say, "All right, great. Put it back in the and I put it back in the bag. Zip it up, and they take my bag back, and I'm up back to the plane. And as I go up onto the plane, the captain tells me that whatever was whatever is in that bag crashed the TSA security system. <laughs> this is why they held the plane back." This until they found the owner of the bag, right. made me open it up and check what the hell it was. Now oh. they didn't want to make too much of a too much of a fuss because then they give it away. Right? This right. is real right. technology. <laughs> but in essence, so you know that donut shaped stone is very very powerful. It right. generates huge energy fields. What it does, it absorbs the ambient noise and the ambient sound from around it, even if it just stands in an empty room. Um, I've had extensive discussions with um, German scientists and also a Croatian scientist that the, the two leading experts on a new study of sound and resonance called hypersound. There are very few people in the world that even know of a thing called hypersound or a field of study called hypersound. Uh, and that's when sound becomes a very powerful tool of right. of the creation or destruction, right? right. So, right. so, so I was told by these scientists in Europe how how much energy these torus stones actually emit, and it's staggering. It's in the thousands of decibels that one of those stones actually generates over three thousand decibels in the gigahertz range. So we can't hear it, but it's right. going on. It's 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 probably affecting our bodies and the environment around us. But right. 
and this, this is probably why so many people, when they come into close proximity of these Taurus stones, have a strange effect. It, it definitely affects people. I know that when I bring groups of people into my museum, and I've got a number of those Taurus stones, some people can't handle the energy in there. They literally freak out. They go, whoa, this just no, the energy in here is just too intense. I've got to, I've got to get out. Wow. So that's the story about my stone. You know, I know it was a bit longer than you probably wanted, but I think you've got to paint oh, the pictures right. yeah. for people to get, to, to get the whole gist. You know, if I just say, oh, my, my tourist stone crashed the security system at the airport. Oh, no, 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 yeah. yeah. Build-up. No, see, that was, uh, Strong was the same way when he did it, he, his, his story. And he, now I understand why he had that big grin on his face when he said for me to ask you that, because he told his story of going through the airport the same thing and and the whole but he didn't crash the system he just said you know the bells and whistles went off and of course they were you know uh, escorting him over and going through his stuff <clears throat> that's incredible and it's just yeah. you know it goes to show that there's so many things that we don't even know and we're just discovering uh, that that people in our past already knew and we don't we don't know about this you know like that those are all over there and and we're just now trying to figure out what they used them for and 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 we don't know really what they what they use them for it's the same thing with the stones that he had there in in australia and we we don't know really what, what what that's all about and that's just really fascinating because it's part of i think uh uh, this greater culture, I think, that may have been here that we just have forgotten about. I don't know. You know, that's just some crazy stuff. Um, let's. I, I want to get into um, talking about. Of course, we want to talk about uh, uh, Ubuntu. Um, and that's the real the major thing. But I, but what I want to do is I want to I want to kind of uh, give these guys a sense of of um, wading in uh, uh, to that. Um, I wanted to talk about uh, one of your one of your uh, uh, lectures when you were talking. You were showing the people um, how how we progressed with the global banking. <clears throat> so I'd like to I'd like to do I'd like to talk about that because um, because the the banking system that we have now is obviously um, it, it's fake it's it's made up and uh, I wrote a book about that myself uh, 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 and telling people how to uh, how to understand uh, what what that's about what the, the global banking is about but I'd never heard it told. <clears throat> the way you had described it, because I, you know, when in my research, I had, I, I look at our global banking system, and it, and it's based similar to that of the Templar Knights. But you actually uh, made me understand that it goes further back than that. This this whole idea of what we have goes farther back, doesn't it? And I was not aware of that until I actually saw you speak, uh, and you talked about how far back this this whole idea goes. You want to talk about that? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, the, the Leonard, that's the. Ultimately, the, the, this, the current global financial economic scam system that we have is, is the foundation of the slavery system imposed on humanity. It's really that simple. Yep. And until we deal with money, the origins of money, what it is, where it comes from, how it was created, by whom it was created, how it's evolved into what it is today, until people come to terms and to grips with that, we will forever be enslaved by those that run the world and that have actually taken us hostage in our own world. And this is deeply disturbing. And so many people are, are just not aware of it. They, they, they talk about money, not really aware of how deep the trauma of money goes into, into society and how it's traumatized the human race for thousands and thousands of years. It's not about the money. 
This is really important. It's about the tool of control. Money is just a tool of control. You know, and this is where people get so caught up in, oh, these guys and the banks are making so much money and they're stealing money from our account. It's, they don't right. care. They not, it's not about how much money. They can create money till the cows come home. They can keep printing money, create, creating trillions and trillions and zillions of dollars and yen and anything they choose to because they control the printing press. Yep. And they can keep making money and it'll never stop. Yep. It's about the control. Money is the tool of control over humanity. So the moment we break that control, they have no more control over the rest of humanity. And that's what the Ubuntu movement is all about, is informing people, teaching people, giving them the right, the correct information. Because most people, as you said, think the money and all the banking goes to the Templars and so forth, and they'd be completely misinformed. Right. Um, and and it's, the, it's, the, it's the handing over of the control of the money over the millennia that has confused the situation and different groups trying to take control over the, 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 the issuing and the control of money. And this has been a tug of war by the royal bloodlines for thousands of years and those that have imposed themselves over humanity. And... And today we sit with the, the royal bloodlines, as we know them, the House of Windsor and, and some other opposing bloodlines that seem to be causing trouble for them. Who knows? But, you know, I don't really care about that anymore. It's about what we're going to do into the future. You know, we can carry on. Um, we can carry on learning and, and freaking about, you know, about the past, what they did to us and how terrible it is and blah, blah, blah. Right. Right. And yes, we, we need to know that. We need that information and we need that background understanding and knowledge to give us a, a solid foundation upon which we build our beautiful utopian future. And, and that's what I keep to telling people about. Yes, by all means, go research it, go and inform yourself so you know how heinous, how dark, how, how disgusting this, this whole yeah. control system is, what it's turned into and how this, these elite families of, you know, what's coming out in the media, the pedophilia, the Pizzagate, all this disgusting mm -hmm. behavior. And the mm -hmm. only reason they get away with it is because they control the supply of money. Yep. Everything from the drugs to the wars to the prostitution to the to the child trafficking to every all the disgusting dark aspects that we have to face as the human race day to day is controlled by these elite families because yep. they control the supply of money. And yep. with the Ubuntu movement, we have over the last 12 years since 2005, slowly but surely, developed a very simple plan. In fact, the plan is so simple that when first people when people first come face to face with it, they it boggles their mind because they can't imagine that something so simple could completely and utterly upset and destroy this pyramid of control that has taken humanity hostage. And right. that's really what the Ubuntu movement and the philosophy of contributionism is all about and has evolved since 2005, step by step, unpacking, teaching people about what money is, where it comes from, how it's infiltrated the world, and how we can extricate ourselves from this slavery system we find ourselves in. Right, right. And I'm and, and sorry, I completely missed your, the, the question about money, uh, digressing as I always do, trying to okay. paint a slightly rosy picture. That's okay. <laughs> 
<laughs> uh, so, so very quickly, you know, the, the, the first forms of money that I have found, and it might be wrong, I, it might go even further back in time, but at right. this stage, and again, I must remind people, at all times, keep an open mind. Because what you believe to be the truth today might be shattered and land up on the rocks tomorrow or even later tonight. Right. Absolutely. And we've got to, the only thing we have to do is keep an open mind to absorb new knowledge, new information, so that we are strong enough and brave enough to take that in new information when it reaches us and we know where to slot it in and what to do with it so we can make sense of how it fits into the bigger scheme of things and, and expands our, our, our knowledge pool. Well, right. level of, of knowledge, yeah. So, right, so as, as as far as I know, Leonard, my research shows that the the first forms of money appear very suddenly and very out of the blue around six thousand years ago. It could be seven thousand years ago. It could be eight thousand, but in that sort of timeline, around six thousand years ago, uh, that's when the Sumerian texts first talk about. Uh, the 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 appearance of the royal bloodlines on on earth right and that's critical the appearance of the royal bloodlines brings a number of events along with them um, and this this we read in the Sumerian tablets where we read in the king's lists and not just one king's list at least two if not more several kings that talk about the time in history when kingdom was lowered to earth from heaven and when the gods appointed the first priest kings from among the humans to rule over humanity and basically be their snitches uh, right. you know they appointed them to take control over the people they gave them knowledge they gave them power they gave them knowledge of sorcery and wizardry and limited knowledge but with which to baffle the minds of the people and obviously right. tools through with which they could control and smite the people if they had to. So this is why these early priest kings had so much power and this is why they took control of the entire world as right. we know it. Right. And because they could unleash, you know, fierce weapons on the people that were given to them by the gods. And uh, and these first priest kings lived in these giant temples that they built for themselves. They took control of all the land. They, suddenly all the land belonged to them and people became their serfs and, and serfdom came in and basically slavery to the king became the run of the mill. And you had to work the land for the king and only a little bit was retained for you and most of the time you were laboring for the kings. And if right. when, when people found themselves living on vacant, un, un unconquered land, then sooner or later the kings would come and conquer that land, as we know they did so successfully. Right. And uh, and and then the first thing that these first priest kings did uh, during those thousands of years ago, uh, or at that time, was they created money. Mm -hmm. And this is where we, where we see the first forms of money appear in the form of clay tablets. And remember, in those days, people didn't write. They couldn't write like people. They weren't literate. They didn't right. have pens and pencils and books and things. There, there was none of that. Right. The only writers in those days were the often the kings and often the kings were often illiterate. And but they had scribes who would write what the kings instructed to be written. Right. So so these first priest kings then created money in the form of clay tablets, and we see beautiful examples of these earliest forms of money. And what are they when you look at them? They're nothing less or nothing more than the same instruments that the banks use today. 
right. liquid, liquid negotiable instruments, promising, promissory notes, checks, and uh, and uh, and 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 negotiable instruments, bills of exchange, basically. Right. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Created yeah. completely and utterly to enslave us and give us hope by having something tangible to hold on to that we thought was valuable, like uh, like the dollar, like the paper money that we use now around the world, and it's no no more valuable than the paper it's written on. But we see that as valuable because they told us that it's valuable, and 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 here we are a slave to the to the system. Now the the only way that we can we you know get around that we have to we have to I mean literally we have to bring it to its knees, and the only way that we can do that. Is we have to get out of debt. We need to get out of debt unless it crashes on its own. And it, and that this is why I wrote my first two books were about that. One was about uh, empowering people, letting them understand just how things worked, how the money system was uh, works here in the United States and other banking uh, commissions around the world, and how they just generate money whenever they want to, willy nilly. They just print it because they want it, and then they then they bring in the old stuff to keep control of how much they have out there, and then that way it generates more and more for them, and then we, they can keep the dollar and the euro at a, at a at an English pound at a certain amount of of value, and we all trade that. We all we have to trade that because that's what the king tells us we have to trade because we're the slaves that work the land, the serfs that work the land, you see. And then, yeah. but see, to get prepared now, that, that like I said, I, I wrote two books about that. The other book was about how to prepare yourself for this transition. Now, Michael Tellinger is going to tell you how, what is going to happen and what should happen after either we as a as a race of people crash this this entire banking system or just voted out of office or uh it just goes down and crashes on its own either way that stuff's going to happen in the future because it cannot continue to go and function the way that it is functioning now and then that's evident it happens uh, periodically around the world <clears throat> that way you know originally we were using gold and everything has to change over time okay so we need to get out from under that and this gentleman right here has the perfect system for us after we win that something to plan and look forward to. Okay. Yeah. And well, that's, and that's, and that's Ubuntu. So why don't you tell the people exactly, first of all, let's, let's tell them where they can go and look for that. What's your, yeah, you got a website uh, uh, for that. So why don't we start with that? And then why don't you tell them uh, what exactly does that mean? Right. What does that mean? What does that entail? Right. So we'll start with the website. Right. Okay, Leonard, thanks very much. Uh, so first of all, the Ubuntu movement has, has two websites, uh, ubuntuparty.org.za or ZA, uh, because we also turned the Ubuntu movement into a political party. And we, we actually contested the elections now in three different countries, uh, South Africa on three occasions, in the UK in 2014, and in Australia in 2016. Mm -hmm. uh, we have we have learned a tremendous amount from that, and I will go into a lot more detail about that. Uh, but the other website is um, ubuntuplanet.org. That's really our main parent website, uh, and that's 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 still under development. It's it's just been launched as a new website, so it it's still going to be made far more pretty and more beautiful with a lot more important content that is currently missing from there. But um, uh, you can just Google uh, on YouTube on Ubuntu presentations, and people can actually watch a full workshop from London or or the USA. There are several workshops that are available free, or go onto the Ubuntu Planet website. I'm sure there are some links there as well for some of the Ubuntu workshops, so you get a good idea of what it is that we're talking about. Uh, very briefly, Ubuntu as a word is an African word. 
predominantly from Southern Africa, that really talks about uh, about human interaction, people living in united communities in harmony, looking after each other, taking care of each other, not competing against each other, working together for the benefit of everyone, working in cooperation rather than competition, working in collaboration rather than conflict. So this is very important. And the most common definition for the word Ubuntu is used, uh, I am who I am because of who we all are. Um, I, I've sort of loosely been saying that Ubuntu means unity within community where everybody benefits to the, where everybody contributes their skills and talents for the benefit of the entire community and not just a one-to-one -one exchange or whatever people may think, you know, bartering and trading and all that. That's not a solution. That's just another slavery system that we're going to get ourselves into. So the whole Ubuntu movement started in 2005 when I started talking about a world free of money or a world where money no longer exists. What are we going to do? How are things going to work? Because when I realized that there was a time in human history that money did not exist, you know, I was a bit stunned. I went, okay, well, if, if there's no money, how the hell, what, what are we going to do? How are we going to work things? And that started me in my own journey of discovery. And I really highly recommend that to, to all the viewers and listeners of this is just go through that process yourself. It's a really challenging process to start off with. What are we going to do if suddenly we had no money? What are we going to do? Right. And that is such a beautiful growth process where you really start to question yourself and who are we as human beings? What is our capacity? What are we capable of doing? And you very quickly, I realized that money does nothing. People do everything. Money is just being used as a hurdle and the, the obstacle to progress to stop and prevent people from reaching their dreams or being able to do what they're really good at. Yep. And as people get into this, you know, please get a copy of my book, uh, Ubuntu Contributionism, a blueprint of a blueprint for hu uh, uh, human prosperity. And uh, that's a good introduction to the origins of money, the banking systems, uh, a bit of nature of reality, just, just to put all these things together. Because remember, everything is connected. In our world and our education system, everything's been compartmentalized, so we don't realize how connected everything is. So what I try to do is in, in, in the Ubuntu book is show how everything is connected and how, how we can use the human potential that we have in abundance beyond our wildest imagination to overcome the slavery system so simply and so easily. So right. one thing that we did um, in, in the 12 years that since 2005 that the Ubuntu and contributionism philosophy has been developing and evolving is, is um, you know, I, I started writing a whole lot of papers and philosophy on how, you know, what will happen if we remove money from the system and and it just kept growing and growing and people got excited, more excited. And I started talking more and more about it till suddenly it's become this global movement with members in over 200 countries and, uh, and, and, and management teams in, in 57 countries at the last count. So, uh, so it's, it's just incredible that what it does, it speaks to the heart of the people around the world because everybody knows that the world we live, live in is screwed. The system doesn't work. Like you right. said, time, money, nothing works. And the key thing here is that it cannot be fixed. We can't fix the system that we're in. Nope. So we've got to stop thinking that we're going to fix it by doing this or listen to the, 
you know, the Minister of Finance, all these very clever assholes that get brought in onto the, the television news, you know, econ economists and so forth that tell us how they're going to do this and steal from there. Right. It's very important to comprehend. I don't want to use the word understand because I don't st I don't stand under anyone's authority for those people in the know watching understand. this. Don't stand under it, anyone's authority. I like that. Go ahead. Exactly. So... <laughs> It's very important to comprehend that these bankers can play this game forever. We can't beat them at their own game. They control our governments. And keep in mind that the central banks of every country, whether it's the Fed in the USA or the South African Reserve Bank, the Bank of England, the Central Bank of India, the Reserve Bank of India, doesn't matter. Every central bank operates outside of the jurisdiction of that country. This is really important. So the laws that apply to the people in the USA and all the corporations in the USA or Canada or England, doesn't matter where, those right. laws do not apply to the central bank of those countries. Right. This, and very few people are aware of this. So you cannot sue the Fed. You cannot take them to court. And I know this because I tried to do that in South Africa. Okay, In 2013, or was it 2012 now? I forget, 2013, I think. I took all the, the, the five major banks and the South African Reserve Bank to the Constitutional Court to right. charge them with fraud and a whole list of a thousand-page document that I served on the Constitutional Court, only to be told by the Constitutional Court that they will not accept my case because wow. I have no prospect of success. <laughs> no prospect of success. So it's a predetermined judgment. Can you see? Yeah. Horrible, they, right? They're telling me I cannot win against the South African Reserve Bank, which is a privately owned company that right. operates outside of the legislation of the country and the laws imposed on the people. So okay. this is a spectacular bit of information that people need to, to take need in to and really digest this. Yes, yes. Uh, go we ahead, let me say no, no, I'm agreeing with you. This is this is something I've been I've been talking about this for for you know the few years uh, I put my I wrote my book uh, three years ago now four years ago now and it's the same thing. This is the, the information that people just need to understand is that you know these banks don't have a single penny in them. There's no money in this banking systems in their in their in their coffers. They just invent it. They just tell. They just go here. Here's a. Let's just put, run it off, and they just print it. There is yeah. no money in these banks. There's nothing to yeah. back it up. There's no gold in there. There's no silver in there. They're just a, a a guy that sits around and has this bank supposedly writes a check, and that goes out to the printing press, and the printing press prints the money, and you and I have to pay for it for, uh, all around the world because they borrow it from us. And they don't even yeah. ask us about so, that. We so, owe the money. So the the so what happened then is um, this information as as you're sharing it, I was sharing it here, and many people around the world are sharing it. But at that stage, I realized that with uh, with our the Ubuntu strategy and the, the the philosophy of contributionism, and contributionism is just a modern word that I came up with for the concept of Ubuntu. Contributionism means exactly that. People contribute their talents and skills for the benefit of the entire community that they are in. And, and the entire plan of action of the Ubuntu movement is to remove money from the system completely. Because we don't need money. Money has been imposed on us as a tool of enslavement. Remember, yeah. money does nothing. People do everything. 
So let's remove the money and start doing things we love to do. Let the engineers engineer. Let the the healers heal. Let the teachers teach. And yep. and uh, and you have to do very little of that to create abundance beyond our wildest belief. And again, people that can go online and watch my workshops in great detail, I go into great detail about how simple this is. I'm going to try and take you through it very briefly. Yeah. So, uh, 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 and over a 12-year period, uh, we then started a, a, a. I then started a, a political party called the Ubuntu Party. And not because I want to go into politics and not because, you know, uh, uh, right. you know, but but I realized that we can use politics as a platform and a springboard to inject the seed of consciousness into the political beast. And mm -hmm. I was I was quite right. And we did exactly that. It, the, the results were not always good on me because, you know, I've come come on a tremendous attack, you know, right. being selling out, you know, oh, now you're going into politics. I thought you want to change the world. Now you want to become like one like them, just like the politicians. Right. And I go, no, no, we're using the political platform to inject this seed, this vision, this plan into the yeah. political beast. And once it's in there, it can't get out. And it's it's firmly implanted in there. That's right. In South Africa, the UK and in Australia. Um, we were very close in Canada, but unfortunately, the Canadian team had a little um, breakdown. So, so what? What? Uh, where am I going with this? So, so what we learned? We what we learned is incredibly important information by participating in the political activity. And what I learned is that the political. Uh, platform, the political the elections and everything, arena, is completely and utterly controlled. Okay, The outcome of every election is completely and utterly controlled. Now, I did not believe it. I could not believe it. If you told me this in 2013, I would have told you, mm, I don't know. I don't know how that's possible. Now I understand and I know how it's possible. And that's exactly what happens. Those yes. in control. Now, remember, the, the reason the bankers never, ever get prosecuted, the, the reason why the reserve banks, the feds, remain in control is because they control the governments. If they do not control the governments, they would no longer be running and being in control. We would kick them out and say, thank you very much, Mr. Fed, Federal Reserve Bank. We don't need your printing press. We know how, to print, how a printing press works. I know where to push print. Okay, right. goodbye. We're going to print our own money and we'll right. create our own money and as much money as we need as a people's bank. So, and I know that some people that studied economics and all that will jump up and down and say, oh, you're going to create this. So, no, you're going to create nothing. You're going to not create any hyperinflation. That's those all the lies and the BS that you were told at, at right. BCOM school and economics because they want you to believe that unless they control the system, the wheels will fall off. Right. In fact, the contrary is true. Every country that had their own state bank or a people's bank had an incredibly successful run. The people were happy. They were, they were growing. They were exploding in arts, culture, technology, healthcare, everything until they were attacked and invaded by those bankers that paid the invading armies to take over that country and invade their central yep. bank. You know the story. Yep. Uh, so, so in, in in the Ubuntu party elections, one of our one of our seven points, our election points was that we'll shut down the central bank, uh, pri the private central bank, and replace it with a people's bank overnight. Basically, tomorrow morning we open the bank, 
and all the banks are still there in the same place. The people still work there, except now it's controlled by the government of the people, for the people, by the people. Now, right. what does that It means the following. Now, I'm not saying this is a solution. I'm saying this is just one of the stepping stones that we could take on the path to changing the system. Right. I, I no longer believe I no longer believe that this is the way to go, but this was part of the learning curve and the journey that I went through. So, and it's an exciting journey of discovery because you have to learn all these things so you can share it with everyone else. And as you know, um, right. So, the moment you create a people's bank where the government of the people prints the money for the people, what happens? First of all, inflation gone. No inflation. Inflation. No right. taxes. No right. taxes. You don't have to pay tax on anything. Right. You never, ever have to pay back a bank loan. If you get a loan for something, you never have to pay it back because you get money from the government, which is your money. You're the, we're the people. So as long as you're, you're getting a, a money from the state bank to start a bakery or an engineering company or whatever, that's going to actually do something that will help benefit the community. Right. You never, ever have to pay it back. Because to pay our own money back is insane. Right. So it takes a while for people to process this. Because remember, from early childhood, we're told that it's complicated. It's very difficult. You don't understand. It's too complicated. You have to go to right. university and learn all this stuff. It's all BS, right? Yep. Yep. So, but then, then what I realized is that th I'm just giving you a, a sideline as to one of our manifestos, you know. Yeah, yeah. And, and the, the rest of it was beautiful. Just if you go onto the Ubuntu Party website, uh, you'll find the manifestos that were used in the South African and the British and the Australian elections. The same manifesto, right? right? The seven bullet points that what are we going to do? Close the Reserve Bank, um, basically create, uh, create free energy devices so every town has its own supply of energy. Get the, get the scientists and engineers to bring out the free energy devices so that we use the energy to unite the people and create a platform for unbridled uh, creativity, um, to support the farmers, to, to basically grow organic food, to support the healers, to create uh, cures for cancer and all disease. So there's like seven bullet points in the seven major areas of, of, of human activity. And it's just, it's so beautiful and so simple. So right. when people read it, they resonate with it, immediately they go, yeah, that's exactly what we need to do. It's not rocket yeah. science. So so in essence, the Ubuntu party has became a very different political party. It's really a party of liberation of the mind and the, the, the physical body as well. Right. And But then I realized that that's, that's really not going to get us anywhere. To do that, we have to win an election. We have to win a majority. We have to get seats in parliament. We have to get seats in government. And what happens then? Well, then I have to go every day and sit in parliament and listen to those arrogant pricks argue and shout and talk oh. about nonsensical crap that has no pertinence uh, or, right. or relevance to anything that the plight right. of the people every day Nothing right. ever gets done. And I realized, hold on, we're going about this the wrong way. We don't need to go for the head. We don't need to go and win the elections and sit in parliament. We can go after a small town. It's much easier to win the hearts and minds of the people of a small town of, say, one uh, 5,000 people. Right. And once we've won the hearts and minds of the people of a small town... The mayor, the sheriff, 
the town council and they go, wow, yeah, this is what we need to do. If we do this, if we take these steps, we can turn our town into paradise. We can invite all the healers, all the inventors, all the artists, all the engineers, the best of the best in the world to come to our town. And I, as the mayor, can provide the platform for these inventors, the healers, the engineers, the material scientists to find the cures for cancer, to create, create new materials that are stronger than steel and, and biodegradable and non-toxic, to create, the, to get the, in, the engineers to invent free energy devices and levitation technology. And we simply invite them to our town and our little town will become through the projects, the community projects, which are actually businesses that are run incredibly tight because now suddenly they belong to all the people of the town. Right. And we use our free electricity as a platform to drive all these, these innovations, the technology, the healing, the factories. Suddenly, everybody has to just contribute three hours a week in a town of, say, 10,000 people. If everybody just contributes three hours a week to one of the community projects, you have a free labor force of 30,000 hours of labor every week. Right. And that changes everything and we realized that our strategy then became for the latest elections in 2016 last year both in south africa and in australia our philosophy was one small town can change the world and right. that's what it is and that's literally what it, what it what what the ubuntu movement has now become is spreading the philosophy the information about money its origins how the control etc and saying to people we can't beat them at their game because they control all the cards. They control yeah. the governments, they control the courts, the judges, the legal system, the writing of new laws every week. They yep. create, they yep. control that. So we can't yep. beat them at that game. What we can do is we can create. Yep. Exactly, exactly. What we can do is we can become that cancer in a small little town, that cancer, a virus of consciousness, a positive cancer that grows in a small town that becomes so powerful and so wealthy and rich from what we create in that town that it is that we actually use money and capitalism itself to cannibalize and destroy the money and capitalist um, structure. It right. is so simple and so incredible. So for people to see this in four minutes, I would urge them to go to uh, onesmalltown.org, onesmalltown.org, and watch that little four-minute video, yep. and that'll give you a very quick overview of how simple this process is. It's yeah. unbelievable. Yeah, people just need to unlearn what we what we've learned because, like he was saying, it, it is so simple that it that it's almost spooky. It's almost scary because there's that weirding effect because you your your brain keeps saying no, but wait, we have to have money and and we have to. How are we going to function without money? Because it's been yeah. in your brain told to you from the time you were born. It's almost embedded in our DNA now because it's yeah. in there, in there, in there, and we have to break that conditioning. And realize yes. what he's saying is simple, 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 but it's to us, it seems scary. We need to get yeah. over that hub of scariness. We need to get yeah. over that hub because we're in control. 
not them, but right now they control the banking, they control our money, and they keep us where, we, where we're at. People are always complaining about wanting to have more money, so they want the minimum wage raised. And, and what I try to tell people, and I talk about this in my book, and I'm sure that, that Mr. Tellinger will say the same thing. What they do is there's a thing called inflation. So if you're making, like when I was a kid, it was, it was $2.50 an hour here in America. For, for That was back in the 80s when Ronald Reagan was the president. And the cost of everything was was here exactly this place say and i and so like a gas was a quarter or 50 cents for a gallon and and a loaf of bread was something like a 20 cents or 25 cents so we wanted to raise the minimum wage because people didn't think they were making enough money so they raised the minimum wage from from 250 it jumped drastically to like four dollars well what everybody else did was just raise the prices of everything so yeah. that your money was exactly worth the same amount that it was before. So now here in America, everybody wants more than $10 an hour. And what they're doing is raising the prices of everything so that it augments and keeps you in exactly the same place you've been in since the dawn of American money being made uh, when America was first invented. And then even beyond that, before that, for every country. So you're not making any more money. You think you are, but you're actually having to spend more money. So you're in the exact same place. It's, 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 you'll never it's, get any. It's right? just a nonsensical merry-go-round. So we need to get out of it. And the, we, so the, the, the sooner we create any alternative, the better, the quicker we're going to get there. So I would really like to, to urge all your viewers to go and absorb this simple one small town can change the world philosophy. And I want to just take you through the process, if I may, yes, because please. it is such such a simple, the step-by-step -step scenario, how, how this can happen. I sort of I briefly laid it out for you, but I, I, I just want to do it sort of step-by-step. -step. So, so our strategy right now, and if anyone is watching this, uh, or anyone that will watch this in future, what all we need to do is find a mayor a conscious mayor, a mayor who's been elected by the people of his town, who is a human being, who actually is not an instrument of the elite or an instrument of the system or an instrument of the bankers, who is a true human being who actually wants best for his town and the people of the town. So uh, that's the kind of mayor we want. The size towns that we're looking at is around 5,000 people. Now, there's a very simple reason for that. I don't want to go into too much detail, but obviously we have to do maths. We have to do number crunching here to make this thing work. Otherwise, right. it's you know it's, it's going to be either too, too, too heavy, too top heavy, or too small to work. So, so we came up with a number of 5,000 people, up to 10,000 people. Anything more than that gets too big. But between five and 10,000 people is actually a good-sized town. And, uh, and the whole thing is based on the fact that we take control of our town and everything we do in our town, the companies, the factories, the businesses, everything we do belongs to the people, right? This is really important. So everything is owned one third by the people, one third by the investor and one third to goes to the upgrading and the improvements all the time. So how does this begin? It begins like this. Um, and again, the one small town outlines us beautifully, with slightly more um, visually and with some background music as well. <laughs> nice. So, uh, me as a mayor, I like us. I, I read the plan of action and I go, "Wow, I like this. I I can be the first mayor in the world to do this." And that first mayor will create the domino effect. That is not just a linear effect; it's actually a quantum effect. Once that first mayor chooses to go this route and this path, it's going to become an unstoppable global event. 
that no army, no bank, no one can stop. And keep in mind, we're not breaking any laws. We're not using any alternative currencies. We're not creating new systems, nothing. We are using the current existing financial, legal, political, um, capitalist systems, corporate systems. We're using all the tools that they've been using to enslave us. We're turning into tools of liberation. This is the most exciting part about it. So there's no way that they can come and block the way because if they block our way, they're also blocking their own way. You see? Right. So, right. me as the mayor says, I love this. I love this. I'm going to do this. We call a council meeting. We share it with the council. Say, yes, we're going to be the first town council and the mayor with a sheriff on our side and the judge and everyone say, this is what we're going to do. We're going to break the stranglehold and we're going to create this first town of abundance where the people have taken control and we're going to become the number one hotspot in the world where everyone is going to want to come to our town. And right. you realize that right. they're not going to go there because they're going to want to. They're going to actually want to do the same in their town. So that just just to allay that fear that everyone, you know, you're going to be uh, overrun by people from all over the world. That's not going to happen. And so <coughs> then you go to the people and we break the news to the people of the town. Have a have a big town meeting and say, this is what we're going to do. We're going to set up all these businesses, these factories. We're going to take stock of the people, talent, the talent of our town. What is the industrial capacity? What factories are standing empty? What farms are standing empty? What warehouses? What engineering, uh, etc.? What is the industrial capacity of our town? And and uh, and take stock of that. Then we take stock of the the people capacity, the people talent. And you know you got engineers working at McDonald's. You got architects right. and and, and right. material scientists that can't get a job, that are bloody you know working at a at, at a cashier, and and rubbish like this. It's just unbelievable. Mm -hmm. So we take stock mm -hmm. of all the, the the intellectual talent of our people, the industrial potential, and we identify what are the most obvious uh, businesses which are community projects owned by the community, owned by everyone, and uh, which one of those are we going to start? And the whole plan is based on 50 businesses that we're going to start, right? 50. We, we had to find a number. And based on that number 50, we then also <coughs> worked out that 5,000 people is the right number of people in a town because that'll give us enough people every day to work in each one of those 50 projects or businesses, right? All right. All right. So, so the numbers work. So, the first thing we do, me as the mayor, invites. I go out there and I invite all the uh, all the inventors, the engineers, the scientists. Like I said, come to our town. If you can create a free energy device, come to my town. We will give you whatever research laboratory you need, whatever engineering you need, so you can create your free energy device, so that we can share it with the rest of the world. The the question, and we do that to the healers, to the inventors, to the material scientists, to the artists, etc., etc. So you can just imagine the amount of talent. Now it's not just some fly-by-night hick that's inviting these people. It's right. the mayor, right? And and we actually structure the campaign that the mayor launches like like a proper political campaign, beautifully filmed in a slick studio, well scripted, well presented by the mayor 
the mayor becomes the chief instrument of our positive propaganda. That's really what happens, right? And the mayor unfolds and and introduces this idea to the world and to the people of his town on the mainstream, in the obviously in, uh, on the internet, and also to the mainstream media. So this is now going to throw a cat among the pigeons. Now all the all the inventors that fear for their lives, that have got all these cures for cancer and all this, suddenly going to go. Right. Hold on, this is this is what I've been waiting for, and. So now the question, the question is, and this is the lovely part, and I'm sure that all your viewers and listeners are going to love this as much as everyone always does. How long will it take for our engineers that come to our town to develop a free energy device? A month? A yeah, week? Probably, probably not too long, day? right? Right. Exactly. Right. It yes. won't take long. I mean, look at look where Tesla was in the in the early 1900s. He was already uh, creating that. So we have the technology. It's there. The, they just won't let the us inventors, use it. Yeah. The inventors are all there. They're just too scared or they don't know what to do with it because right. they know what happened to those that came before them. That's right. That's right. And and just like uh, you're saying, cure for cancer, I'm sure it's out there, but they're, but they're afraid because if I came up with a cure yeah. of cancer and I tried to sell it to pharmaceutical companies, we'd get together with the yeah. government and have me bumped off. You're a dead man. You're a dead yeah. man. Yeah. Especially if your if your cure is real. If your cure yeah. is real and it works, you're gone. So gone. Yeah. now suddenly that changes because now suddenly I'm invited by the mayor, the council, the sheriff, the judge, the people of the town, the hospital that I'm going to go into and cure cancer in that hospital. Mm -hmm. The quest next question is how long before our engineers create a levitation device? Not right. long. That technology right. exists. Yep. Right. How long before? Our computer geek scientists develop a supercomputer that you never ever have to replace. That, that right. the computers already exist. We just, yep. but we're never going to get it on the shelves because that'll <coughs> kill the computer industry, right? right so exactly. now, now you can expand that question to <coughs> all areas, all spheres of of our activity. How long yep. before our farmers and our genetic engineers undo the evils of Monsanto and start actually creating? Uh, organic seeds, so we grow beautiful, healthy food yeah. without yep. GMO disease. Right. And how long will it take our our special scientists inventors to bring the technology to make our food grow bigger, better, faster by energizing the water, by energizing the soil and the nutrients? Those people right. are already out there. They just yep. don't have the means to to make themselves uh, known to the world. And they always shut down by Monsanto and and Bayer and those kind of oh, yeah. companies. Oh yeah, absolutely. So, so, so in overnight, what will happen is our town is going to be bursting at the seams with the most talented and creative people in the world. Right. Okay. Absolutely. Not only that. Now, then you then you invite the conscious millionaires and the conscious billionaires, and this is this is where I love it, Leonard. This is where it really, you realize how beautiful and simple and twisted, positively right. twisted, this plan of action is. Because right. this is where you realize how, while we are laying the foundation for a world in which money will slowly be removed, we're at, at the moment, to start off with, it is the most lucrative investment opportunity anytime, anywhere in human history. For any right. investor anywhere, this right. is the most spectacular thing. And why can I say that? Is because you, as an investor, come and invest in the hospital. First of all, 
You got no competition. You got right. no one trying to, no other hospital trying to compete with you. You got 10,000 people in town on your side, a free labor force, specialized technicians, the best people in the world working with you so that we create the best outcome we can possibly do together cooperatively in cooperation and collaboration, not in right. competition. So as right. an investor, you have no competition. You have free labor force. You have the best technology in the world. You have everything you need and you retain one third of all the profits. There has right. never been a better investment opportunity than this. Right. And that applies for the growing <clears throat> of food, the engineering, the arts right. and culture, whatever, right. whatever we do. So the conscious millionaires, the moment we find a mayor that goes this way, there'll be a line, a queue of conscious millionaires wanting to invest in these mm. businesses. So Absolutely. as far as funding is concerned, we don't have to worry about that. And right. I speak from experience because we already have a few conscious millionaires that have started popping up on the radar saying, I want to be involved in this one small town activity. Right. Okay. Right. I got now, a question. <clears throat> I had a question for you really quickly from the from the audience. Uh, Cheryl McDonald said, how do we take this from the conceptual state to a working plan? That's a good question, don't you think? We're, 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 I'm, I'm talking you through the process. So the conceptual station, the, the concept is going to be implemented through the one small town plan of action. So it has right. to come. And, and please, people, I want you to... To, I want you to understand one thing. I want you to comprehend one thing. We're not creating an intentional community here. This is a very different thing. We're not getting a bunch of people to move together onto a piece of land, onto a farm and start growing food together and holding hands and singing Kumbaya and hoping that everything will be good because they're going to grow loads of food and all that. No, no, this is a very different thing. Yeah, this is why it's taken 12 years to figure this out, right. that we have to use the existing system to create an alternative system. Yes. We can't fight, we can't try and escape the existing system. You can't escape it, it's everywhere. Its tentacles are everywhere. It controls every aspect of our lives. So we have to use the system to create an alternative in which we no longer need the money. So let me continue. I'm almost right. through the cycle. I'm almost through taking you through the, f the first cycle, after which it just expands and goes goes exponential. So so now you can imagine we, we're growing so much food, we are engineering our hospital, and, and now ask yourself this question, how much money? Now remember, this is we're setting up for-profit businesses. This is not a, a bleeding heart community project where we're going to distribute food to homeless people. No, no, no. This is why I'm very clear, this is again, because by nature of what, what people think, by nature of the kind of thinking that this brings out, is that, oh, yeah, we must do everything together and for free and distribute everything for free and all that. Yes, we're going to do everything together and for free for each other. But for everyone outside of our community that does not participate, they will still have to pay. And this is why. When we start manufacturing supercomputers, how many supercomputers do you think we're going to sell in the first year? I don't know. How right. many bicycles? If, if we start manufacturing bicycles, for example, you know, how many bicycles do you think we're going to sell? We're going to sell a lot of everything we do. Why? Because we can sell it cheaper than anybody else because of our free labor 
and mm -hmm. much of the many of the components will come from our own businesses. So the one business feeds the other. So we can underprice Walmart or underprice any imports from China because we suddenly have a free labor force. No government, no corporation, no country, nowhere will be able to compete because of our of that aspect. So that means that we can sell things cheaper and make loads and loads of money for our town and the businesses, each business. Now, what happens with all this money? Sorry, one more question. How much money do you think our hospital is going to make when we start curing cancer? Right. 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 That's that. one project. <clears throat> that's right. That's just th think about a small town of 5,000 people and we're curing cancer in our hospital. Within the first six months, we're curing cancer. We get a waiting list of X amount of months or years because everybody wants to come and be cured of cancer. So, you know, you we can decide how much money we can make for our town and that hospital as a project. You know, right. is it going to be a billion year, a, b a billion dollars, two billion dollars? I don't know. Right. Who knows? Whatever it is, it's going to be a large number. Right. So just I'm just saying this so that people start to really comprehend the immense wealth that this collaboration and this cooperation will bring to our town. Unimaginable amounts of money. Then the question is, what do we do with all the money? Again, it's always got to be simple. One third goes to the investor. One third goes to upgrading and improving and creating new projects and new businesses all the time, new innovation, etc. And the final third gets distributed equally to all the people of our town who participate, who contribute there three hours a week. This whole thing is based on three hours a week. That's all you've got to contribute. Mm -hmm. What happens very quickly is the money you receive from all the income of our businesses will exceed the money you receive from your job. Very quickly. Right. Right. Everything is free. Our food is free in our town. The healing is free. The engineering is free. Everything is free because we're making it for ourselves. But the excess we create is sold to the outside world and exported, whatever. Right? right. So we're bringing all this money. And yet, we don't have to pay money for anything we need in our own town. Right. So suddenly, you're earning all this money and you have to spend zero. The electricity is free. Everything is free to the people in our town as long as you contribute to three hours a week. Right. So will you, if you work in a stinking factory or a mine or a, or a job you hate, are you going to keep your job? Of course right. not. Right. You're going to resign from your job and you're going to spend your time in your community contributing your three hours a week. And now we have an interesting dilemma. There are 168 hours in a week. You're going to spend three hours a week working on one of the community projects. What are you going to do with 165 hours a week? Right. You, you right. got everything free and you got money coming in every month. What are you going to do? This is where it really gets exciting because yeah. it's at this point. It's at this point for the money coming in from the businesses. Everybody gets everything for free that people realize. And there's no turning back. Money does nothing. People do everything. Yep. And there's never, ever, you will never, ever be able to take people back where they came from once we get even close to this point. Right. And it's that simple. It's that. Was any part of this, did any part of this seem difficult or complicated to you? 
No, because it's not. It's it's very simple. Very, very simple. It's just that people have to get beyond the idea. <clears throat> Once they realize, like you're talking about, you can't just go out and build a city and start it up with this no. ideology. And you can't do that. You have to have already an infrastructure that's already working in, in a town so that you can utilize that. This is what he's yes. saying. You can utilize that. To create this, and slowly uh, over time, what happens is you 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 take away the monetary system because you don't really need it in the town, but you do need it because of the, the world and the way the world is. So so to get the products rolling, to get everything going, you need the investment, you need the money. But then, if everything is free in town, you have all this money. Like he said, what do you do with it? Well, that is where you put it back into the machine to keep it running, so that you see and show people that look, this is what works, and you you don't have to have any money. And then you yep. can once that once that starts to snowball in other cities because other cities are going to want to try and do this. Once everything everybody does that everywhere, eventually you just take away the monetary system in that country or that state or where you're at, and and, and all of a sudden everyone else can't compete because, like he yep. said, everything is so cheap because you're going to be working, like he said, three hours three hours a, a week on a, on a community project, but then the rest of the time is yours. So what are you going to do then? Yeah. Then you're going to start wanting to look for, what do I like to do? Do I want to be a surgeon? Do I want to be, and you have plenty of money. So if you have to learn how to do that in a school someplace else, you have the money to go and do that and then come back to the community and work within the community. Do I want to be a, you know, you know, like he said in one of his, uh, one of his things, who's going to sweep the rubbish? Well, well someone's going to do it <clears throat> because Every, it's going to need to get done. Everybody's going to do it. Right, because it needs to get done, so everyone's going to do it. So if everybody has to do it, it's just like when you're a kid and you're in your house, if you have siblings, everybody has to do the dishes, everybody has to take out the garbage, everybody's got a day for cooking or whatever, right? It's the same yeah. thing in, in in Ubuntu living, and, and that's just the way it works. You just have to get past that weird ideology of, of freaking out about money. And that's what yep. that's where you can go get his information, and and, and like he said, and, and read about it, and learn about it, and get the book, or learn about it. You'll see that it's just it's just something that's a fear in you because that's what you've been told to fear that 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 is the biggest problem in the world is that if you don't have money, you're done. Am I right? Yeah. yeah. Look, this this is again, you know, even for me, it's it's taken eleven years to get to this point to realize that. We have to use the tools of enslavement as tools of liberation. We can't fight it. We can't fight the system. And and the best about this, did you notice anywhere, anywhere along this path, any anything that I've shared with you, it's all done with no resistance, no opposition, no violence, no conflict. We're just right. creating a new system using the tools that have been enslaving us and preventing us from achieving our dreams. We now use those as tools to liberate us from that enslavement and making it possible to do anything we choose and anything we dream of. And just imagine, you know, our material scientists are going to be coming up with new materials, steel, iron, all these metals that we mine the world to destroy mm -hmm. our world. All of mm -hmm. that will shut down. The right. people that work in the mines will no longer work in the mines. What's, gonna, what's the consequence? The mines will shut down. Good riddance. We don't need them. We have right. different materials. Our material scientists are capable of creating the most incredible materials that are completely non-toxic, biodegradable, and much stronger and lasting uh, and reusable 
than anything we currently use through the industrial, so-called industrial revolution, the, the iron and steel and the, the disgusting right. stuff that right. the you know, activities have destroyed our world. I mean, in right. South Africa, when you drive around, we must be one of the most mined countries in the world. It's just sickening it's to sad. see what's yeah. happening to our beautiful yeah. country. Right. And what people don't realize, here's the other thing that people don't realize, and you guys need to learn this out there in the world, is that change is not what these people want. And I mean in all aspects of everything. If you look at the internal combustion engine, it's the same exact internal combustion engine that has been there since since the dawn of the, of the internal combustion engine. They're not changing that. All they did was, now that we have computers, we have a computer that, that, that adjusts it and runs it. So, But that's it. You look at a light bulb, a simple light bulb, okay? They've designed that light bulb so that it burns out so that you have to buy more. They have a light bulb that they have turned on in 1960 that is still burning to this day, but you and I aren't going to get one of those unless we're going to pay $10,000 for it because they want you to buy new ones. Your cars are designed to break down at, at the seven-year mark, right, when your warranty runs out of the five-year mark, so that you have to buy another car. They don't want you owning a car for three and four generations. So what, we're, what he's saying here is that those boundaries will no longer apply. Okay, so the reason we're still using the materials that we're using right now, the fossil fuels, because that's what they want us to use. It's there. They don't want to change that because they're making money off of it. It's the same mm -hmm. thing when there's no cure. There's no cure for anything in this country, in the United States, since polio. Why? There's no money in the cure. But there's money in you taking a drug for the rest of your life every day that doesn't cure you, but it just staves off whatever disease that you have and makes you feel comfortable. Because the, the, that's where you're the slave. So what he's suggesting is... Once you get to that point, once we get to that point, even in a small town, the boundaries are limitless now. We don't need to use the, the internal combustion engine, so now we can invent something different. We don't need to have the fossil fuels because we can invent something different. And we're not, we're not stuck in that where we have to stay there. We can make whatever we want to make because there's no boundaries. There's no people yeah. there telling us you can't do that because I have a, you know, I own the oil market and, and we just need you to continue consuming oil. No. We don't want that anymore. We want something else that's cleaner for our air that, that lets us breathe better air. We want to fix this planet. The only way we're going to fix it is through his ideology, what he's talking about. And, and, if, and if you don't believe me, come up with another one. Uh, this is the yeah. best thing I've heard in my life. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, at this stage, Leonard, you know, I, I've looked at all the all the movements around the world, and there are, there are a number of beautiful movements that spread phenomenal information and knowledge and so forth. But unfortunately... At this stage, I don't know of any other movement that has come up with a with a plan of action that is so simple, so doable, so achievable. And that's all I want people to do is just realize how simple it is and that the power lies in our hands. The power lies with the people. So let's wake up and realize and go out there and find a small town. Learn the philosophy. Read the Ubuntu book so you get a broader perspective of what it is, the origins of money. So you really inform yourself of that. In case people want to engage you in this, so you actually speak with some some sense of, of comfort and knowledge that you have, foundational knowledge. And then learn about the simple plan of action, the, the bullet points, the step-by-step -step implementation of the one small town. It is so simple, so beautiful, so elegant, and so easily achievable. And the best part is as well is that once we start this one small town, and that mayor starts to go out there, with his or her weekly publicity announcements, right? What do you think the mayors of other towns are going to do? Right. right? Absolutely. Now, this is why. 
People say, yeah, we've got to find a town. We've got to do it and prove that it works. No, wrong. We don't have right. to prove that it works. We have to just get acceptance, not proof of concept. Acceptance of concept is where the quantum expansion happens. Once yep. we see... Once we see on YouTube and the social media and mainstream media, because this will be covered by mainstream media until they get a directive from the top to say, do not cover this. Right. Right. But but it will break through in the beginning. It will be covered by mainstream media because it's going to be so radical until yeah. they told, OK, no more coverage on this mayor because we don't want this to get out. Right. So, right. The social media is going to become the, the media through which this is going to spread. But um the moment there's an acceptance by one mayor, this is going to go worldwide. It's going to go from one country across borders. It's unstoppable because people everywhere are going to see this and they're going to go, look what this mayor over there is doing. Our mayor should do the same. And if you as the mayor do not do it, guess what's going to happen to you once the people of your town have decided they want that. Yep. So so it is a, it is a knock-on effect that... I believe is completely unstoppable and we just got to find that one small town that not just can change the world, but I believe one small town that will change the world. Right. And we just need to just for it to happen somewhere. And once it does, like you said, in the beginning, they're going to be media all over it until the guys at the top say, stop that because they don't want that word getting out. They don't want it happening anymore. They're going to, you know, they'll, they'll try to, they'll try to stifle the, all that information coming from there. And, and they, you know, who knows what will happen, you know, from there, like, like he said, you're going to have, you're going to have a, a mayor next door in the next town. He's going to be looking over there and he's going to be going, thinking, wow, look at, you know, they're, they're making money. It's working. And if, then if he says no, like he says, what if the people want it? They're going to get rid of that mayor. They're going to get a mayor in there that does want it. So eventually, yeah. it will it'll happen, right? And then and then it'll just yeah. snowball, just a snowball. Yeah, effect. and this is why also you're not going to have an influx of people into one town. Not everybody wants to come and live in your town, or you know, people want to stay where they are if they're happy. So they're going to right. rather want to change their town rather than have to pack up and move somewhere else. So say, hey, we want that in our town. So. Uh, it's it's not a situation where everyone in the world is wanting to now come and to want to move into your town. That's not going to happen either. Right. Right. No, it's because people don't. I wouldn't want to uh, to run and go because you would just have too many people in the in the in the town, and it would upset the 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 balance. You know, because they, you have to do the math and make sure that everything works. It's almost like a little ecosystem, but <clears throat> eventually. It can expand to bigger and bigger, but the first thing you need to do is is get it running and get it operational on a smaller level, uh, and then from there get another smaller level and another smaller level. And like he said, not everybody's going to want to move to your town. They're going to say, I like that idea, but why don't we do it here? And that's when people are going to start lobbying for that and start looking around at their neighbors and saying, look, read this. And, and, and so the whole key to all of this is information is what we're doing right now the whole key to all of this is for the information to get to you people out there in the world for you to learn this and like he like he like uh, mr challenger just said learn this so that you can speak to it so that when or speak about it so when somebody comes to you and says what are you talking about that is the craziest idea and it'll never work and this is why you can say no 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 no, let me tell you why they're wrong on that, and this will work, and this is why it'll work. And so if you have that knowledge, and you're teaching that knowledge, and then we teach our children that knowledge, and what's going to happen? Everybody's going to start learning it, and who knows? Maybe someone, because of their free thinking now, maybe somebody will come up with an expansion 
on what Mr. Tellinger's talking about, what they call him up or say, you know, hey, listen, I got an idea. I want to talk to you about this. And maybe there'll be a, an expansion on it and improve that and improve his model because now there's free thinking because now the sky's the limit, right? So, so it just creates its own effect. And this is where we're starting right now. He's been working on this for, for, for years now and the word's getting out to the people. And so now here I am trying to get the word out and have his word get out to you guys because you need to learn this. You need to learn it. You need to learn it. You need to learn it. Go to his website. Find this stuff out. Right? Go ahead, please. Continue. And, and, and Leonard, especially, first of all, you, I think it's the first time I've been called Mr. Tellinger, so it makes me feel very uncomfortable. And I keep wanting <laughs> I to tell you. What, what, I, I uh, apologize. But I didn't ask. And I, and I didn't want to just assume. I didn't ask before <laughs> what I should call you. So, so out of respect, I'm saying yeah. Mr. Tellinger, but I apologize. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know, geez, like Mr. Tellinger died two years ago. That was my father. <laughs> right. That's what my father used to say. And I say that when people so, say Mr. I say Mr. was my father. You can call me Leonard or Leo. Right. But I didn't yeah. ask you. And I apologize for that. Normally I ask, what can I address you as to the people? But I, I didn't want to have any disrespect by not saying Mr. Tellinger. <laughs> uh, please believe me. And also for anyone watching this, remember that this whole this whole thing of Mr. This and Mrs. That is all part of the capitalist yes. enslavement system. Right, sure because, is, because Mr. Tellinger is legal fiction. Right, right. right. Mr. Tellinger is a piece of paper. It's a legal fiction. It's not a human being. And you know, I'm, my name is Michael. I'm a living, breathing human being. You'll read all about this in the Ubuntu book as well. The the lies uh, that they that they enslave us with in the English language and and the languages of the world that they use in legalese terms and so forth. But um, uh, I wanted to say one more thing, and I'm sort of. Please, please. Uh, I, I lost my train of thought there for a second. No. Sorry, oh, I apologize. Uh, it was oh, no. I apologize. What, Go ahead. What, I, what I wanted to say is, is just, you know, just please um, just be informed. Inform yourself about this. Read a book if you can. Watch the videos. Get as much information as you can. And the main thing that, that, that I want to do and the Ubuntu movement philosophy, our, our single-minded objective is just to spread the information, spread the news. Yeah. The more people know about this, the more people sign up and join the Ubuntu movement. It's not about my ego and say, oh, we got millions of followers of this. No, it's about being able to spread and shift consciousness at the push of a button so that if we have millions of, um, of subscribers around the world, we can put out a bit of information that can reach hundreds of millions of people within seconds, within minutes. That's how you shift consciousness. This is how we can create events. This is how we can affect and move things very, very quickly. So all I'm going to ask everyone that watches this is go online, sign up, join the Ubuntu movement on the website so that you get on the database so that when we share new information, you get it and you can share it with others. And then do one thing for me. Do it for yourself. Don't do it for me. Bring one new person every month to join the Ubuntu movement. Just one person a month to sign up and join. If you do this, this time next year, the Ubuntu movement will have more than 165 million members around the world. That's all you have to do. Bring wow. one person a month to sign up. Right? I got chills. I got chills when you said that. <laughs> you know, I'm not asking you to bring one person a day, one person a right. month. It's just wow. a doubling effect. Every month it just doubles. Right. Yeah. 
That's crazy. And, I got the chills when you said that. Go ahead, please, please continue. No, that's it. So, all right, you know, don't them, everybody we, again. Yeah, yeah, you don't. I don't expect anyone to perform miracles and run out and start community projects and intentional communities. It, you know, don't do it. It's wasted energy. By all means, go out there and grow food, create gardens, work together, grow as much food as you can. But believe me, food is really important in in the yeah. days to come. Make yeah. sure you got pure water. You know how to clean and purify water, so you've always got food and water within your community. But the key thing is the one small town is the key. The one small town is that virus, that that seed of consciousness that will break this enslavement system and liberate us all by using the tools of enslavement as tools of liberation. So go on to ubuntuplanet.org, ubuntuplanet.org. And sign up um, uh, on the, just join us and fill in the form and uh, and spread the word. All you have to do is just go spread the word. And But if you do know a mayor, if you live in a small town, or if you know someone who lives in a small town, and you know that that mayor of that town is a real human being, bring this to their attention. Let them contact me. My email address is on the website. It's contact at ubuntuparty.org.za or contact at ubuntuplanet.org, right? It comes straight to my, my email. Talk to the mayor, let the mayor contact me, and I will start the process of talking the mayor and the council through the step-by-step -step simple implementation. Any child can do this. Right, great. And you can you can also, you have to remember, he's being very humble, but he's also uh, has books for you guys to read. So you can look him up, michaeltellinger.com. He's also going to be on tour. You have a tour coming up that you're going to be going on in the United States here, right? Coming up, uh, I don't know, starting next month or the month after that. So he's going to be uh, working with the guys from Portal to Ascension, guys. You hear me talking about those guys all the time. You've seen them on here. We've had Neil on here. We talk to them all the time on here. We're working with those guys, uh, trying to help them out when they're helping us out. We're getting, they're going to be hopefully start doing some more with them to help them do some of their webinars and stuff that are going down the road so either way just you know what uh, look this look this man up and, and look up what he's talking about i can't tell you enough I, I can't say it enough i can't say it often enough because he's right he's absolutely right everything that he's saying is true and you can also look this up with i have you know you guys over here me i'm pushing them all the time i have two books that are about this as well one is about the global banking and and everything we talked about here the other book that i have is about getting prepared uh you know like he said growing food and, and, and being able to to have fresh water and how you can pro procure that and how you can get yourself into that mindset that will pull you away from the slave mindset that we have. And he's got books on that. His whole movement is on that. Learn this. Learn this, guys. This is so important. I can't even say it. I can't, if I say it a hundred times, it still doesn't sound right. This is the important thing. This is where we need to go with our world. If we want to save the planet and we want to save this world, we want to save our race. And we want to move forward and expand. We should already be out in the universe flying around in spaceships we should already be there you guys have heard me say that many times on the different shows that i've had other people on uh because uh, our technology has, should have already been there but they're stifling us they're keeping us exactly where they want us with everything look it up it's not a conspiracy theory it's the actual truth and people like michael see i said it right that time i didn't i didn't call him mr challenger people like michael and myself and omar you know our producer and director uh and we're, we all have this ideology we know it's true we've seen it you have to wake up and break the conditioning of 
fear that is in your mind from these people that are telling you that the world is a certain way when it's not really that way. Okay, so we're running we're running close on time here. I can tell Michael's getting tireder than he was. He told us he's been up since 4 a.m. It was 6 a.m. or 6 p.m. when we started where he's at. Um, so he's he's been hard working all day trying to bring this information and knowledge and his whole life is and, and looking at me is about to fall asleep on me so i think we'll do <laughs> i think we'll i think we'll wrap up because he is he's getting ready to go to sleep he needs he's tired he needs to get his rest too all right yeah see that's what's keeping him going he's got his coffee <laughs> look at that look at that ubuntu beautiful love that love that hold that right there perfect beautiful all right, guys, look it up. Look it up. Ubuntu.org, uh, right? Also, look, like I said, look up his tours. If you guys are anywhere in the United States and he's going up into Canada coming up this uh, this summer uh, or just the next few months, um, look him up. Find out where he's going to be. Maybe you guys, are, he might be close to you. You guys might be able to go and catch the show and, and hear him talk when he's standing on stage with a bigger presentation than what we got going on here. All right? So, guys, check us out. Um, we have links to his stuff also on our website, uh, watchestalk.com. Take a look at that. Go to, uh, go to uh, um, the guys from portaltoascension.org they're also going to have uh, links to his to his stuff and to what they're going to be doing coming up it's really really great learn it give it to your friends like he said one person a month tell them someone about it bring them in i went and signed up last night i went over and i, I signed up i'm gonna you have like a a thing uh, uh, that you send out once a month uh, and i'm gonna be getting that so i went there guys go there look at it it's you know it's free sign up for free it doesn't cost anything everything's free right learn about this Tell people about this. Let's get this moving across the world. Let's make this happen. All right. So yeah, I think we're gonna we're gonna have to wrap up right here uh, again. Now I'm getting it in the background to uh, go ahead and wrap. So it was a great show, guys. We're gonna have to have him back when he has when he has more energy. Uh, although he did, we put in what did we put in here? An hour and a half, right? So uh, I've had him on the phone now for almost two hours. So he's doing good. Uh, we can have to put some. Uh, toothpicks in his eyes to keep him open in a minute so let's go ahead and go and uh yeah look at him yeah there we go let's go ahead and wrap up here guys it was a great show we'll have to see if we can get him to come back and, and speak to us when he has some more time uh after you know after his tour maybe when he's not running across the whole world doing what he's doing now maybe we can, maybe we can get a hold of him again so great show people um like i said uh, uh watchstalk.com look everything up um i can't say anymore Mbutu. that's it learn the word Learn how to say it. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Leonard. Thank, Just thank uh, you very big, big much, thanks, sir. Big thanks to you and to Omar for making it possible and uh, spreading the message, spreading the word. Keep doing the great work you're doing. And I look forward to catching up with you in the USA or in Canada. Stay well till Absolutely. we speak again. Absolutely. Don't hang up when we go off the air because I'm sure that uh, Omar's going to want to talk to you, okay? So hang on. Uh, guys, that's a wrap. We'll, we'll call it a day. Thank you for coming.